What's up, Ego Hackers? Welcome to the C.S. Joseph Podcast. I'm C.S. Joseph. In today's uh, episode, we're going to be discussing um, does a person's uh, temple uh, determine what cognitive function they represent within a crowd? And this is such a great question. This is probably one of the best acolyte questions I've been given. This is easily top five. And I'm very excited to have the opportunity to answer such a creative question. So keep it up, guys. That's awesome. Remember, folks, if you're an Acolyte member, you guys get one uh, question that you can ask me per month. Uh, the submittals in the Acolyte member section at csjoseph.life forward slash portal. And to insert your question there, and it will become a podcast episode, which will also be put on YouTube so that all of us within the Ego Hacker community can actually learn. Uh, so yeah, that's just, just remember that. That's a thing. If you want to become an Acolyte member, obviously, csjoseph.life forward slash members, become a journeyman, then upgrade your account to Acolyte. You can also upgrade it at csjoseph.life forward slash portal. This is such a great cigar. Laranja Scuro today. I love, I love me some Laranjas. Mmm, so good. The flavor is excellent. It's, it's an excellent stick. I, I, uh, I'm very happy to have the opportunity to have these. Come on. There we go. There's my lighter. So yeah. I don't really, I don't smoke, I don't smoke marijuana. I'd rather smoke tobacco. Tobacco, it's a stimulant and it puts me in my ISFJ side, which gives me better access to my introverted sensing via my neural pathways and Due to neuroplasticity, smoking tobacco opens up those pathways and allows me better access to my long-term memory, which then enables me to do these episodes uh, better because I have way more memory access. So that's why I smoke when I record. And I probably smoke like once a week leisurely, and then I smoke when I film basically. And that's really the only time I smoke tobacco. I don't really smoke it. Uh, people think I'm smoking these every day. And it's just like, no, no, I'm not. I smoke, th- I smoked tobacco so little that like, I'm not addicted. And like, I actually went like six weeks without smoking once just recently. I just didn't care. Alcohol, however, <coughs> that's my vice. That's my vice. Um, I crave alcohol hundred percent of the time. That's why I just got to set it down and not touch it for like a long time also because it could harm my gains uh and my recovery basically when i'm working working out and i need to research what alcohol does to cortisol it probably makes cortisol worse but anyway just a little bit more about me and kind of you know how some of my consumptive vices are but anyway this topic is about macro social engineering macro ego hacking so Within uh, various crowds, when you get into a crowd, and, and by the way, folks, like just, just you know, just let's back up here and actually talk about some resources that you could utilize uh, when considering uh, macro social engineering. I recommend that you guys read the book known as The Crowd by Gustave Le Bon, uh, who had a really great analysis of the French Revolution and how that worked out. 
and he is the mentor of one ENTP known as Edward Bernays, who wrote the book Propaganda, as well as any other books. Um, all of sales, marketing, and PR basically came as a result, or at least was uh, refined by and simplified by Edward Bernays. Um, so every form of advertising out there, every form of um, you know, utilization, narrative, manipulation, social engineering from a macro perspective to be able to, um, you know, get into the hearts and minds of people and sway them and convince them to behave in a certain way or make a decision or even buy something. That's all as a result of Edward Bernays' work. And then the next person in the chain of custody is Noam Chomsky, who wrote Manufacturing Consent. And then uh, the final book in the chain of custody is Douglas Murray's The Madness of Crowds, which I highly recommend. And I would, I would actually state that there's probably a fifth book in the chain of custody. And this is optional, but, not, uh, but it really applies it to today's social norms. And it's called So You Have Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson. Every time someone joins uh, the CSJ team or the Ego Hacker team uh, or becomes uh, part of the community management team for Ego Hackers, I make them read this book, So You've Been Publicly Shamed just so they can see the consequences of how their actions can turn into like PR scandals or potentially harm other people or harm themselves, harm me, for example, and how it's important that, you know, we always represent and have some kind of standard with, when it comes to, uh, you know, these things. And it's because of just how crowds work. You know, a good way of putting it is like this movie uh, Men in Black with Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, the cuck. Um, so, Will Smith, um, you know, was talking, uh, his character was named Jay, and then uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character is named Kay, and Kay was trying to teach his protege, Jay, Will Smith, a lesson, and he said, you know, a person is smart, but people are dumb, wild, crazy animals. And he's absolutely right. And he's basically talking about crowd psychology, and crowd psychology is something that you really need to understand. So before you even think about macro social engineering from a Jungian analytical psychology perspective, please read these five books, get yourself educated, so you have a nice little foundation, and then you can apply the Jungian analytical psychology and four sides dynamics concepts on top of that after reading these books, right? So you can understand, you know, ego hacking and manipulation and social engineering from the perspective of how crowds work and how, how crowds apply, right? That's super important that you do that. So based on that, what I, what I would suggest, what I would suggest is that after you read these books, you realize that there is a certain phenomenon. Um, I've had the misfortune of being in many a bar fight in my life. Um, it's one of the reasons why I train martial arts is because for some reason people really like picking a fight with me. It just, it just happens. The last time it happened to me, um, I was sitting down as I, I was adjacent to a pool table, I was waiting my turn to play at a pool table, and I was just sitting down and I had myself a rum and coke. Actually, I had myself two rum and cokes right there on the table. I downed one super quick just to get in the mood, and then I was slowly sipping on the other one. And this ESTP guy 
noticed that I was looking at this very attractive woman across uh, across from me who was just basically being a wallflower watching the, the pool game. And the ESTP wasn't even playing in the pool game whatsoever. It just wasn't. And he comes over to me, and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I looked at this woman, and I, I just smiled at her because she was smiling at me. I, I'm, I'm going to smile back at people when they're smiling at me, so I just smiled at her. I'm just, smi- I'm just being friendly, you know, friendly chase. Friendly chase in his INTJ shadow. So I'm in my INTJ shadow, and then from there, I get to this place and this point where it's like, okay, yeah, I'm in my shadow because I'm drunk, basically. I'm intoxicated. And this ESTP comes right over to me, trying to assert dominance, and he literally stands on my feet. Just stands, just standing on my feet. With putting his whole body weight on my feet, which technically is assault. Technically. In the state, you know, in the state of California where this happened. And immediately my head went to, all right, how am I going to have to take this guy down? How am I going to take this guy down? I'm like, okay, I got my hand on my empty glass right now. I could just turn it upside down, smash it, and then drive it into his neck. You know, things like that. Like, I'm already, I'm already strategizing how I'm going to take this guy down. Get him to the ground and make sure that he cannot, that I at least hurt him enough that he can't retaliate. Because that's how ENTPs work. If you, you want to learn more about that concept, the best example of that would be Orson Scott Card's um, Ender's Game. Because Ender Wigan is an ENTP. And I know I've just triggered so many people when saying that all the INTJs right now are rolling their eyes, you know, like, oh, no, he's an INTJ, er. No, he's not. Ender Wigan has way more consequential awareness. He's a UDUF, uh, uh, UDUF ENTP, actually. And he only gets into confrontations that he knows he can win, but then he annihilates the opponent such that it is impossible for the opponent to retaliate. That is how ENTPs fight. This is why... Every ENTP male that exists, every single one of them, I don't care what their octogram is. I don't care if they're SDSF. I really don't care. And SDSF ENTPs <coughs> have the best self-discipline out there, let's be honest. But I require all ENTP men to enroll in a martial art. A martial art. And it can't be Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's got to be a striking martial art. We have to actually learn striking and actually do striking in it okay i picked krav maga because it's banned from mma and it's designed for battlefield combat and street fighting (coughs) (coughs) i need water (coughs) anyway (coughs) very itchy throat all of a sudden so, ENTPs, when we fight, it's all about not only defeating the opponent, but preventing further <coughs> retaliation because we have introverted intuition nemesis. <coughs> introverted intuition nemesis is naturally worried about its own future. So, I would be naturally worried about this guy's ability to retaliate, basically. So I either have two options. Make him feel like he's the alpha when I'm a sigma, and I don't give a thing. I don't, I don't care. I just don't care about his alphaness. 
and let him assert his authority over me and make me look stupid in front of everyone. But that would de-escalate the situation. Or I could attack him after he's already violated my personal space and my body. He has technically already committed assault. Um, you know. And then at that point, I could retaliate and prevent further retaliation from him at that moment. Well, <clears throat> that's the thing. I, instead of driving the glass into his neck like I could have, and effectively ending his life at that moment, um, I, uh, I instead decided to stand up as quickly as I could, basically, to where one of my shoulders made contact with his chest, and he fell backwards onto the ground. And then I said in front of everyone, sorry, I didn't see you there. <laughs> but, you know, that's what he gets. Instantly, I grabbed my other drink, and I just started walking a little bit backwards towards the door, basically, just to see what he would do and what his friends would do. And then at that moment, it literally turned into a bar fight. He took the, uh, the beer that he had in his hand, and he chucked it at me from the floor, basically, as he got up. And then a bunch of his friends instantly rose to stand up for him, basically, even though he was clearly in the wrong, and he instigated this whole situation. He initiated. He took on the initiation, right? So he became the extroverted sensing hero of his wolf pack, of his crowd, basically, of his macro situation. And they decided to gang up on me in this moment. Funnily enough, funnily enough, I became the expert intuition hero of my group. And then my group came up around and also stood to back me up. And it literally just became like a showdown in the middle of this bar, basically. A couple of my guys were even grabbing uh, uh, pool cue sticks to get ready to just, you know, <laughs> take them out. And then one guy actually grabbed a bar stool, you know. Like, we were ready. We were ready to tussle. We were ready to tumble. And it's so interesting in those situations, like, or individual people take up the cognitive functions of the crowd, basically, and they act as the arbiter or the carrier of that particular cognitive function. And it usually, it usually is an optimistic function that they do it with. Now, that's not always the case because octogram, their octograms can actually change that because certain octogram variants, and there's four octogram variants per type, will determine whether or not a person is leading with their optimistic functions in their ego or their pessimistic functions in their ego, as well as their optimistic functions and pessimistic functions in their shadow. And also, them being drunk at the time, if they're close in their shadow, they're more likely to use their shadow functions. I was intoxicated. My octogram, because I am UF, my shadow was representing introvert intuition nemesis. So... Once the thing was started, there's no point in using extrovert, extrovert intuition anymore. It's already started. There's nothing abstract there. It's getting in the concrete. So I became the NI function of my group, basically. And then things escalated from there, and it turned into a fight. It turned into an altercation. <clears throat> the cops showed up within 20 minutes. It was a long time. Uh... And uh, luckily, there was enough witnesses to say that the ESTP started it. And uh, my guys took a defensive posture, which was really great, instead of an offensive posture. 
and we were just basically preventing damage and uh, the bartender backed us up as well as the um, um, as well as the owner of the place also backed us up especially since I have a great reputation with the owner and he knows that I would bring my crew in there and, and make him money and he didn't want to screw that up so the cops were very lenient with us and we weren't arrested uh, and uh, but the ESTP ended up in the back of a cop car and he was so drunk that he actually basically he passed out in that moment uh, while he was in the car which is hilarious so but you know expert sensing hero even though he was intoxicated would still be very useful in a bar fight scenario so he held on to that function from a group posture a group macro social engineering position and that's that's just kind of that's kind of what happened so but this is just this is just one example in every single crowd, there is always going to be somebody who takes on a certain cognitive function. So they, the question is, is like, does a person's temple influence what function they are? I mean, yes, I guess, but it's mostly dependent on, you know, the situation. It's very situational. Now, if you're aware of all these different vectors and you're aware of all these situational consequences, you know, in terms of what's going on, which is kind of easy for me to see, being how close to my superego I am with my ESFP superego and being a U to UF ENTP and seeing those consequences from an extroverted intuition hero and then mixing in with the extroverted sensing demon. Uh, so my battleground of Titans is able to like kind of see that. It's really difficult for other people to see this and actually know these concepts and how people are taking on these roles within a crowd or a group of men who are intent on potentially ending my life that evening. So... But we defended ourselves, and uh, the police were very lenient. No charges were pressed. I was asked if I wanted to press charges against the ESTP. I told them I will not uh, press charges, uh, provided uh, he is involved in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, like some type of support group. And uh, turns out he already was, so it really wasn't that big of a deal. And besides, I didn't even have any... There would be no legal way to, to force that on him anyway, so my ask was really ignorant, let's be honest. But he already was. Apparently he had a DUI and shouldn't have been drinking to begin with. And uh, I don't know if that actually got him into legal trouble later. I, I don't know. But it happened. you know. But, but that's the point, folks. Like there's so, there's so much more than just your temple you know, that comes into play when it comes to taking on a cognitive function within a crowd. You have to ask, okay, like, what's their octograms? Uh, are they intoxicated? Are they stimmed? Are they both? You know, uh, who's the leader? Who's not? Who's representing the hero function? Who's representing the demon function? You know, like, there's so much there. There's absolutely so much there, and it's so much information, and not very many people can keep track of the information on the fly. But the point is, is that whatever role a person assumes in a crowd, that role represents a particular cognitive function and ultimately an orbit and an axis when and they take on that role within a group that's how it works now when you know that <clears throat> you can actually do macro social engineering and you just target the specific people and you can either just de-escalate a situation or escalate a situation or you can even potentially con uh, convince an entire group to buy something if you are aware of these concepts right it's all just basic group psychology to begin with right that's just how it works. So, but yeah, uh, in general, 
it's just it's so much information and I could I could create an entire YouTube channel just devoted to macro based Jungian analytical psychology. It would be insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you guys want to keep asking questions about macro social engineering, I'll keep answering them. So just become an Acolyte member and we'll, we'll keep doing it, you know. So yeah. Anyway, folks, thanks for watching and listening, and I'll see you guys in the next episode.